Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Classroom Matters podcast with me, your host, Christy Hull, where we dive into the hottest topics in education. Now, I'm really excited about today's guest and our conversation. So if you are a classroom teacher, whether you're in public school, private school, a homeschool parent, this could be for you too, um, or just parents that are supporting your child in their educational environment, this conversation you're going to want to listen to because no matter where you are, what you're doing, if you have a child that is currently being educated, this will apply to you. So today our guest is Katie Trowbridge. Now Katie has 23 years um, teaching experience in the classroom and she is also now the president and CEO of Curiosity to Create, which is a nonprofit organization um, that she has created to help teachers focus on teaching with creativity, critical thinking, curiosity, and those are the topics that we're going to dive into today. So Katie, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for that great introduction. I'm happy to be here. So let's just dive in. So Katie and I were talking a little bit off recording before we really started, um, you know, the formal interview. And, you know, we've already kind of dived into a lot of topics, but the first thing I want you to explain to, to the listeners, Katie, what do we mean when we say teaching with curiosity and critical thinking and creativity? I think that that is an amazing question to start with because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what that means. Um, with the teachers that I've worked with and taught um, and, and interviewed, they all think right away when you say creativity, number one, let me get out my markers, let me get out my paints. Um, they don't necessarily relate it to thinking. Um, same with critical. Uh, when you think about being critical, you think about, oh, I'm judging someone or we don't, I don't want, you know, critical thinking in my classroom because kids are mean or, and, and there's just this huge misconception around what it really means. And creative and critical thinking um, is vital in our society today. And if you look at any of the reports like LinkedIn, Adobe, World Forum, they're all saying that the ability to think is what is essential for success. Um, and when I say think, I don't mean just, um, I know how to, you know, in the old days, we did flashcards. I remember doing flashcards um, from my multiplication tables or how to learn Spanish and that kind of thing. What I'm talking about is being able to think for yourself, to be able to think, let me think about all the different ways I can solve this problem. And then let me think about, okay, now critically, which one is the most realistic? Which one will really work? Which one is the one that will be um, the most impactful? And then come up with a great, incredible solution for that problem that they're facing. You know, we, our kids depend on Google so much today. Um, let me just Google the answer and they don't think for themselves. Well, what does that really mean? Um, and if they are faced with a problem that they can't Google, they, mm -hmm. they almost freeze. They just don't have the skills uh, needed to be able to, okay, I got to break this problem down. Let me think creatively. Let me think critically. Um, and so I think that that's really what, it, in the classroom, that looks incredibly different than what we traditionally know and what we've traditionally seen in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So do you think that everything is instant gratification? Right. And so do you see as you're doing this work with teachers and parents and, and educators that that is a challenge that some teachers are facing, that they, the kids are so used to instant gratification, so this concept is a little bit more difficult for them? I think that there's two things. Yes, absolutely. That instant gratification. I also think the other main issue teachers are facing, because I remember facing this in my own classroom, was I want the A. How do I get the A? 
just tell me how to get the A. Um, and parents can also kind of be that way as well, right? I just need my child to get the A so that they get into a good college. Um, we have to change our way of thinking that this isn't just about a letter grade. This is about thinking and making classrooms a thinking environment, making our homes a thinking environment um, instead of just giving the answer. And I think that that's what I have faced. And that's what a lot of teachers have faced um, is just tell me if this is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny, as you say that, it makes me think that even as a parent with three children, one just graduated high school, I've never heard another parent and I've never thought to say, it's fine that you got all F's. I'm just really happy that you understood the material. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. We do focus so much on that letter grade, regardless of if our kids really understood and mastered the content and are able to have an intelligent conversation about why it is what it is. So I love the fact that you're pointing that out. Um, and you have some experience with, with this, right? You were in the classroom for 23 years. So talk a little bit about your background and your experience um, that led you to do this work. Well, it's interesting because I was in the classroom for 23 years. It was my second career. So I didn't start until a little bit older. Um, and I always thought there's no way I'd be a teacher. Everybody would tell me, you should be a teacher. And I kept thinking, no way. I am not going to take my love for reading and writing and be in front of 30 bratty kids. I mean, there was, I was just so against education um, until I realized, oh wait, <laughs> maybe all those people who told me I'd be a good educator were right. Um, and so I went and got my master's degree um, and while I had two children um, and went into the teaching environment. And it's so different than the business environment. Um, and I had a huge learning curve um, the first several years. But as I continued, to teach and fell in love with teaching. Around 2010, 2011, I noticed that the engagement was missing. That rapport in the classroom between teacher and student, that something was going wrong, something was missing. I couldn't put my finger on it. So I started to do a lot of research on this creative and critical thinking and getting my students to think more instead of just doing what they think they need to do in order to make me happy, right? In order to get Uh, that circle on the rubric that they want. And so I started experimenting a little bit in my classroom and I was very fortunate to work at a school that allowed me to do that um, and encouraged me to do that and um, started trying different things like adding choice, um, adding a lot of feedback so that there was no grade attached, um, allowing there to be times where kids can try something new without a consequence. So they could take those risks that were needed, but I wasn't putting them in the grade book. Um, they weren't seeing enough, even if they did fail. Um, it was more of me high-fiving them. Hey, nice try. Let's do it again. Let's try something different. Um, and so I noticed that as I tried to put all of these kinds of different activities, different ways of thinking, that my class was becoming engaged again. Um, I was having students who were looking forward to coming to class. I, I had students who were trying something new who are coming up to me and saying, you know, I, I just had this idea. Do you think I can try it? Absolutely. Um, and so I saw also that my role as a teacher became more of a facilitator and a guide than it was, you know, the sage on the stage and me talking and lecturing. Um, it became much more of this interactive, uh, very engaging classroom for myself and my students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you feel that with, with everything that you just mentioned and that you talked about teachers having to give up I'm going to say the word control 
<laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and yeah. I was a teacher as well. I was a teacher, a principal, so I had it too. Right. And right. we were in control. We're the teachers. Yep. You do what I you you do the work. You memorize the multiplication facts. You memorize the dates in history. It doesn't matter why the Vietnam War was fought. You just right. need to know when, who, yep. where, and exactly. put that on the test, right? Exactly. And a lot of that is about control because that is how, and that's not that's not a bad uh, indication of teachers at all. Right. It's no. how we were taught to teach. And right. so talk a little bit about what you see in the work that you do with, with teachers, as probably especially veteran teachers, having to relinquish that control to be able to infuse critical thinking and collaboration and creativity and curiosity in their day-to-day -day instruction. And I would say that is the number one pushback that I get from teachers is then I will lose control. Mm -hmm. I can't, my classroom will be chaotic. And I keep going, I keep saying to them, absolutely, that's great. <laughs> you know, you control chaos. There is a point where you can do that. And having a controlled chaotic classroom actually is a really good thing. Um, and I think that that it's a it's a fear, right, for teachers as far as well, what if and looking at that what if because that's what we know and that's who we are. This is an environment that I can control in my classroom, and I need to make sure I can control it. The problem is that then that sense of creativity and critical thinking flies out the window um, because there's no there's no what if or what about or why, and I think that that can frighten some teachers because sometimes as a teacher in my classroom, especially, they might ask me a question, I don't know the answer, right? And for some of us, we have to be um, vulnerable and mm -hmm. we have to be open with the fact of, you know what, that's an amazing question. I don't know, let's figure it out together. Um, there is a point of, I think, vulnerability for teachers as well of, you know what, I failed. Um, I messed this up, I'm really sorry. And that's hard for us as teachers. Mm -hmm because we're supposed to be the ones who know it all, but that's impossible. It's too much pressure on us. That really our role is to guide our students into being able to think and, and dig and ask that, like, you, like the example about the Vietnam War. Why did the Vietnam War happen? Mm -hmm. What took place, great, but why? And what if we would have made a different decision? What would that have looked like? What a great conversation to have in a history classroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're mentioning something and it's going to be a really good segue into my next question. You know, I know that especially classroom teachers that are listening, because, you know, on average, they could have anywhere from 20 to, and I hate to say this, but it's true. In some classrooms, 27, 28 kids. And, oh, oh, you know, and in their mind, they're thinking, okay, yeah, this sounds great in theory. This sounds great. And, you know, pie in the sky mm -hmm. and it sounds wonderful, but I have a lot of curriculum to teach and yeah. how in the world am I supposed to now use all these new methods to, you know, on top of what I'm already doing. And so I love your example of how you can still teach the curriculum, how you can still have students master the content, but you're just teaching it in a different manner. And so your Vietnam right. um, example was, was, was great. So can you tell our listeners a little bit, give them some, some solid examples on, you're not doing anything extra. Cause I know we put a lot of right. extra things on teachers are like, Oh, one more thing, one more thing. It's really, truly not. It's just infusing this within what you're currently mm -hmm. doing. So talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the other big fears, right? Is we, you look at a, a lot, and as you said, you were a teacher as well. Remember that first day of school in August or September, and the principal stands there and says, we have a new initiative. And you're like, 
ah, we didn't yes. finish the last initiative and now we have a new initiative. <laughs> um, and that's why I always say when I work with teachers, this is not something new. This is not an, a binder that I'm going to give you mm -hmm. and, and, you know, here are the 20 steps you need to take. Um, and, and a lot of times teachers automatically think too, is I take 15 minutes out of my day or 20 minutes out of my day to teach creative and critical thinking. That's not, um, you could do that if you wanted to, right? But that's not the most impactful, effective way to do it. It's, as you said, infusing your curriculum. So for example, um, I was an English teacher for years and the research paper is a staple, right? It's in common core standards. It's everybody has to do a research paper, even fourth, fifth grade. And it's that at times, you know, give me what is an orca whale and how do they live, that kind of research. And what I wanted to do and what I started to do is transform that research paper into a video essay. So we wanted to make it relevant for our students. And I really wanted them to do something that would be applicable in their lives, relevant and meaning that those two words relevant and meaningful are so important and so I changed the research paper I still met all my standards I still met the research standard I still met the um the reading standards the writing standards I met every single standard but instead of the typical you know seven to eight page research paper my students wrote a script they looked at what is it that's that a teenager today needs to be successful so I got a little bit of SEL in there they created most of them created either um, a podcast like this um, a video essay where they were showing data they were talking they would have images that would come in and out um, i had students over and over again tell me how much they learned not just about the editing because that's what you'd be really careful of sometimes that creative teaching and creative learning gets gets skewed too much and so it's oh that was fun but they didn't learn anything right so you don't want a student to walk out and go, well, I learned how to edit a video, um, but you want them to really learn. I learned my audience was teenagers. I learned that in order to be a successful teenager, I really need, uh, students need, let's just say creativity. Here's how they get creativity in their lives. And they did a whole video that, that other students watched and gave feedback on. Um, and so I think, again, I didn't change my standards. I still met my curriculum targets, but I did it in a creative and critical way. So that's just like, that's one example. There's so many, I have a math example of a teacher who um, needed to teach a formula. And so she put the kids in groups and she gave each one of the, the, the students a different math problem. And together they each had to individually figure out the math problem. Then they had to add up the sum of all of the answers and run over to her desk and see if they got the right answer. And if it wasn't the right answer, they have to run back to their team and say, oh, somebody, somebody made a mistake somewhere in this. We've got to help each other. We got to figure out where the mistake is. So they get the sum again, run back. And so what the teacher's doing is sitting and watching and helping, but the kids are doing all the work. And they were having so much fun because they saw it as a competition to beat the other groups. And they learned to work together, to communicate, to think in different ways. Right, but they still learned the equation. She still met her objectives. She just did it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's as well. You know, I was going to say it's obvious, but you know, I think it's obvious the connection that that makes with that method of of, of teaching, instructing, and a connection with how you're going to function and how you're going to be expected to function in the workplace, 
in a college course, in a job, in a career, because you know, I know in a career or in in a job, even as educators, we aren't, you know, we're talking, we're collaborating, we're thinking through problems together. We're having, I mean, obviously having to be creative <laughs> about right, solutions. Right. Um, so what kind of research is out there, you know, that, that shows that this is an effective method? Um, if you look at World Forum, they just came out with a huge report stating that the top two skills that are going to be needed in the future, in jobs and everything, one is creative thinking or critical thinking, two is creative thinking. So there's that, you know, LinkedIn talks about all the time that that CEOs are saying, look, the number one thing we need are problem solvers. And people are coming out of school not knowing how to solve a problem. Um, you know, even my husband he has, has talked about how he has seen a huge change too of young employees coming in and, and going up to them and saying, hey, look, here's a problem. I need you to solve it. Well, let me Google it. It's not on Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you know, you've got to think about this. Um, so there's a lot of, Adobe has great research. There is a ton of studies out there that show that this is needed. The problem is that teachers don't know how to do it. So a lot of times I, I get feedback of, this is great. We know, we see it on all the research, but the research doesn't say how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so then teachers say, well, I, I can't, I don't know how. Or one of my favorite examples is I was teaching, I was talking to a, a teacher and she said, I'm not creative. The whole problem is I'm not creative. And I said, well, I would like to debate that a little bit with you. I think you are creative. And the entire time she had like a, one of those manipulative, um, like snake things in her hands. And the entire time I was talking to her and she was manipulating it and changing it. And she's like, oh, look, I made a bracelet. Oh, look, I made that. And, as I, and I just said to her, stop, look at how creative you're being while you're talking to me about how you're not creative. And it was like this huge light bulb went off for her of, mm-hmm. oh, that's right. I think that's one of the major things is we don't, we don't understand that we are all naturally creative mm-hmm. in different ways. And teachers are incredibly creative. We just have to make sure that we take that creativity. It's, it's great if we have a, a huge classroom that looks like Harry Potter, right? And we put in all this time and effort into decorating a, a great room. So the kids have fun when they come in, but we got to also make sure that then they're also learning from that, mm-hmm. right? So that there is this transference from creative teaching to creative learning. Mm-hmm. What about, so, I, you know, obviously there's been an influx of homeschool students come out, especially yes. post um, COVID, you know, that was sort of a big movement. And it used to be mm-hmm. almost, you know, when I was growing up, when I was in school, elementary school, high school, I mean, there was almost unheard of to have peers that were homeschooled. I mean, it was just extremely rare. And now I think that it has become very common. You know, there's homeschool Mm -hmm. groups everywhere. My first question is, do you, do you think that there has been such an influx because of this issue in the classroom? And my second question is, what are some ways that homeschool families can incorporate this? Because you may think it, you know, it might sound like it's easier as a homeschool family, but if you have one child that you're homeschooling or two or three children and their age gap is so large that they're mm-hmm. not interested and can't have the same kind of conversations, how do you infuse these methods um, into your homeschool classroom? And you could also throw in your create method because I really want to talk about that too. Okay. All right. So first of all, yes, I've seen a huge influx um, in homeschooling. In fact, I've had homeschool associations reach out to me. I'm asking if I can come in and do some training on the create method um, and how to look with homeschooling. I think that you're right. When I was younger, um, nobody homeschooled. That was, that was just not heard of. I think today, 
because of teachers being unhappy, teachers leaving. Um, you know, there's huge statistics saying that 55% of the teachers right now are thinking about leaving the classroom. And that's kind mm -hmm. of scary. And there, and you're also hearing how colleges um, and their department of educations are, are closing mm -hmm. down because no one's going into it. So I understand, I understand it. I understand that sometimes with the politics and the societal issues that are going on, that parents want their best for their, for their children. And so homeschooling has um, become quite um, impactful um, and it's growing like crazy. And I totally understand it. I think that one of the things that's most important in a homeschooling environment is that you as a parent ask a lot of questions. It's that why, right? Um, I remember even when I was teaching my juniors in high school, I had kept saying to my students, one of the things I want you to do as a junior in high school is start asking why. Go pretend you're two years old again, and you're saying, well, why is the sky blue? What? Mm -hmm. Start asking your parents why. Start asking politicians why. Start asking teachers why. Why do we have to do it this way? Why? And the answer cannot be from us because that's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. That's the way I was taught. We can't do that anymore. We have to really think about, well, you, I, I would throw it right back at my student. Well, you tell me why. Why do you think we're doing it this way? I had a parent-teacher conference once where the parents said to me, oh, you're the teacher. You're the reason why at dinner, I constantly am getting the question, why? <laughs> and I said, yeah, hopefully it's in a respectful way. And she said, oh, absolutely. It's just been interesting how my child asking me why has made me as a parent go, oh, huh, why do I have curfew at 10 o'clock? Or why do I have, you know, um, those kinds of things. And, and what a great environment in a, in a home um, to be able to say, okay, so what are you curious about? And that's, you know, the C for create method is content. What are you curious about? What do you want to learn? And just being able to, again, meeting those standards, but allowing the child to be able to say, I am so interested in playing guitar right now. I'm so interested in Pokemon right now. I am so interested in, great, well, let's figure it out, right? Let's take that and incorporate that. So that's the C, that's the content curation and create. The R is allowing students to take the risk, allowing our, our kids at home in homeschooling, take a risk. And I'm not, you know, when I say that, I don't mean, you know, oh my gosh, my kid's gonna break, my, break his leg. I'm saying, letting them, Try something new without a consequence, right? Let's try this and let's see. And then if they fail, you know, like you said earlier, you don't celebrate a whole uh, report card full of Fs. Mm -hmm. But we do need to celebrate the fact that we fail because when we fail, we learn. But right now in society, that, that word fail just has so many negative connotations. You're not allowed to fail. You can't fail. And at home and homeschooling and in our classrooms, we need to say, you know what, that's okay, nice try. It's okay that you failed, let's figure out what we can do. And again, no consequences, right? Just celebrating it instead. Um, the create method, the E is, is really for this, making it an experience. And that's a lot of that inquiry method. And I think that's where homeschooling has a huge benefit is because you can, instead of teaching about the constitution, you can take your child to Washington, DC, Mm -hmm. Right. And have them really experience it and have them dive into the something that they're maybe not so interested in. Like, I don't want to really want to read the, the independence, Declaration of Independence. But you go to the Smithsonian, that's that is mm -hmm. that's something incredible to do. Right. That's an experience. And that's where homeschooling can 
incorporate them. I talked to one family, um, since they both are remote, both parents are remote, they travel all the time in a big van um, and they drive their kids all around so that they have that experience. In the classroom, that means that we are doing the inquiry-based learning. That's, what is it that you wanna learn, right? Let's make an experience that's unique to all of us, but still um, creating something good. A is for attitude. Um, you know, having a good attitude and, and a lot of times that's even in teachers and parents, right? We need to have a good attitude. We need to say learning is fun and sort of, I hate math. You know, we, having a good positive attitude towards taking risks, towards what we're doing can change everything. And, and it, we, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the growth mindset, um, things like that, but it's, it really is this positive attitude of I can overcome this. I can solve this problem. I just need to figure it out. Um, the T is team. And that's where I love the homeschool associations um, because that is where, hey, look, as a team, we're coming together and we're going to work together. One of the things that, again, World Forum and the research is saying, people don't know how to collaborate. People don't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, we're stuck on our phones. Um, we're on Zoom or whatever. But so when it comes to sitting down and working together to solve a problem, students don't know how to do that or they're judging other people. Like, oh, that was such a stupid idea. Why would we yeah. do you know, having in, in the homeschool associations really help that because then kids are coming together, parents are coming together saying, I'm having this problem teaching this algebraic mm-hmm. equation. And then other parents going, oh, well, I tried this or I tried that. Um, that's why I think having a network is so important. We have a creative thinking network that we have online um, that is for that purpose. So teachers can go in, parents can go in and say, man, I am struggling with this. Can you help me here? Um, and we have lesson plans. And, and I think sharing, I always talk about, the power of sharing, right? If teachers come together and work together instead of holding back their ideas, like, this is my idea, you're not going to get it. There's such power in that when we work together, mm-hmm. right? Parents working together for, there's, we don't have to agree on everything. We just need to agree that what's best for our kid is that they learn and they think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the E is the other, the last E is the big thing that, again, when we talked about earlier, how do you evaluate this? You know, we are so data-driven in our society and in our education systems. How do you collect the data? And so having students come together and even saying to your student, how do you want me to grade you on this? What is this, if your success in this, what does that A look like to you? Um, and, and being able to collect the data and, and looking at before and after. Here's what we were like in, in September. Here's what we're like in May. And here's how my student now can, or my child can, problem. I think that that's the create method, but that works with anything. Even at home with my grandchildren, I will say, well, you know, my grandchildren who are four and six, why? Well, okay. So you're having this problem. You guys aren't getting along. What can you do to fix it? Instead of me saying, stop it. Here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. You need to do this, but let them figure that out. And if it's a wild and crazy idea, great. Let's try Mm -hmm. and see what happens. Yeah. Because parents can still use this method, even if their children aren't getting it at school. Right. And I was thinking about that as you're Absolutely. Talking, like, you have kiddos that are, you know, and this spans, you know, and I want to make sure and make that clear too. And I'm sure that just through the conversation, our listeners have picked up on that. This is kindergarten through seniors in high school, like this, this right. method and um, this way of, of instructing and teaching and helping students grow can be done with three-year-olds and 20-year-olds. Right. So, right. That's, you know, I want to make that clear. We're not focusing on a certain grade level or a cer- certain group of children. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there are parents that are listening and they're thinking, you know what, Katie, that sounds great. I really wish that my 
son or daughter's teacher did that or school, but it's a lot of memorization. It's a lot of facts. And I just feel like I have no control over how they're learning in school. Mm -hmm. You know, complaining doesn't do any good, you know, uh, getting the teacher's going to teach the way they want to teach, you know, but parents can still support their children when they see the packets come home, when they see the homework come home and they say, oh, this is what you're working on this week. And they see the list of memorization that their child is doing for the teacher. Parents Mm -hmm. can still have those critical thinking conversations with their kids at dinner and really try to support them, even if they're not getting it in the classroom. Right. And how incredible, what a great relationship building Mm -hmm. process that is for the parent and the child. And I will tell you that a lot of times our referrals for where you come in and help our school or help our teachers come from parents, parents who send our website or our information and say, you know, (laughs) maybe for professional development, or, you know, this teacher could really use some coaching in. Um, And so a lot of our referrals come from that because parents are key um, to helping their children think, right? Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right from, from birth all the way up to, to, you know, continually. I mean, even I call my mom sometimes and say, I have this problem. Can you help me? Right. I don't know if we ever, we ever grow out of that, but, um, having that situation. And, and I will also tell my parents all times, read what your kids are reading, mm-hmm. make sure you're sitting there with their homework. I, we had a homework table. We had a dinner. I was grading as a teacher and my kids are working on their homework so that we could work and solve the problems together. Right. So just sitting at dinner and saying, not just how is school today. And then you get the regular fine, mm-hmm. but you know, I saw that you were reading Percy Jones. I was, I picked it up and read it too. What did you think about this character? What did you think mm-hmm. about that? Or how did you do that math problem? I know you guys are doing, you, you learned math in a different way than I did when I was younger. Show me how you do that. Well, why do you do that? Just mm-hmm. being interested and making your children curious. What, I love asking the question to my kids of like, so what are you into right now? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite movie right now? Well, why? What a great conversation at dinner table, but now you're getting to see what they're curious about. My, you know, my, my four-year-old grandson loves Pokemon. My six-year-old grandson loves baseball. Different, mm-hmm. right? But um, my six-year-old granddaughter loves to dance. So like very different, but let's talk about, well, why? What do you love? Show me a move. How did you mm-hmm. do that? Can I do that with you? That kind of encouragement um, and getting our kids to start thinking. The other thing I will say is being vulnerable with your children at the dining room table. I have this problem. We have this problem. We have conflicting dates or we have that. And having your kids help you solve that problem. How Mm -hmm. cool is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? And what a great way as a family to come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because your kids see you as just human, you know, they, you know, as like, I can, you know, we're on the same level and in some way we're learning together. So great, great advice for parents. And, you know, as you were talking earlier about you know, memorization and, and the, the math formula example and things like that. Mm-hmm. I thought, wouldn't it be great? I would love to see, and I don't know, maybe this is happening and I'm not aware of it. I would love to see someone give out a test and give all the answers and say, here's the answer. How did we get there? Right. And I think that that is great. There's an exercise I do in my training where I just do X plus X equals 36. Look at how many different ways there are mm-hmm. to come up with what's the X. That's my question. Yeah. What are the X? Yeah. Well, you're going to have all these different answers. That's great. They're still right. But look at how everybody thinks differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And look at how, and, and, and that to me is a way of thinking. Okay. So you're saying X equals 10 and X equals 16. Well, or 26, whatever, you know, what is that coming up with? So I think one of the great things, and I know a lot of math teachers who are starting to do that more and more now is saying, here is the answer. Tell me what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And you got to think, and, and, and teachers, again, going back to that control issue, you got to be okay with coming up with different answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. You got to be okay with it. Yeah. You got to be okay with it. So you talked about your trainings. You've talked about yeah. um, where, so curiosity to create. So I want to dive into that before we end our conversation, because we're all getting okay. ready to jump back into a new school year, right? Yep. Um, we're in the beginning of August. You know, schools are going to be starting in a couple of weeks, whether you're homeschooling, whether you're a public school, private school, we're all diving into a brand new school year. All so diving in. Talk a little bit about how parents, teachers, educators can use the resources that you have um, mm -hmm. on your on your website and your organization and how they can sort of get into this beginning of the year back to school mindset and be ready to get back into the classroom. Because I think so much of this right. is, is, is the climate and culture that you create in your classroom from the beginning. Yep. Well, I think that that's a great, a great point because a lot of times I would spend the first couple weeks, you know, the typical, let me read my syllabus to you. Here are the supplies, but I would spend the first couple weeks just doing activities, which you can find on curiosity to create or the creative thinking network, just getting kids to be, to have fun, to get to know each other. Because one of the key things is if you are going to create an environment where kids feel safe, taking risks, you have to make sure that you are building that rapport with your students so that they know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to say, that was this really stupid idea. Mm -hmm. It is acceptable to say, well, why do you think that? Where did you get that idea from? So building and doing fun activities um, that encourage questioning. Um, I have one that's like a solve a mystery. Um, we've done ones where, you know, here, and typical ones that you can even just Google. Um, I think are, are incredibly important so that you're building that community right off of, hey, we fail, it's okay. We are vulnerable here. That's okay. We're going to take some risks. That's great. Um, so that's right off the bat. And again, you, like you said, you can do this whenever. Um, sometimes I would, every quarter, I would do some of these activities um, that had nothing really to do with my, my content, but just to build that rapport. And then um, it, it was a matter of then showing them how to use that. One of my favorite activities is a questioning activity um, that I use. And, and teachers, I've gone through with hundreds of teachers, and they love the idea that you look at something from a different perspective. You look at the question as a team, as a group, we do this. And it's on something very generic, like Jesse is failing English, um, or Chicago Cubs are, are better than the White Sox, um, that gets students that they really care about, and just asking questions to each other. Well, why? How do you know that? Well, what about this team player? Well, what about that team player? Or something that will grab their attention and get them thinking. So then we go, remember we did that questioning activity? Now we're going to do it on this short story. Now we're going to do it on this, you know, reading of, of a history document. Now, again, it's just getting kids thinking, having fun those first couple of weeks. When you're teaching them how to think critically and creatively, they just don't realize it yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. So that's why I said, you know, professional development, we do, we do coaching, um, quite often. And then we just started the online network so that teachers can join that and share ideas with each other. With all the noise and stuff that's going on with social media. Um, this is just a safe environment where a teacher can get lesson plans and courses and see webinars. Um, we, the joy of being nonprofit um, is that we can help schools and teachers who can't afford mm -hmm. coaching and professional development. And we raise funds to help schools be able to incorporate creative thinking, critical thinking. So I think that that's one of the joys of being nonprofit is we really want all teachers to be able to experience this, all parents to be able to experience this, but they know how to do it, um, even if they can't afford 
the price tag, which mm-hmm. is, I think, vital in today's society. Yeah. So for everybody listening, going back into a new school year, Katie is available. Curiosity to the number two, mm-hmm. number two, curiosity to create. Um, and I know that you're going to find a lot of great resources there as you kind of dive back into the school year, um, getting ready to set up your classroom, getting ready to figure out how you're going to teach um, and all of those things to really build um, the most positive climate and culture in your room, building, you know, and growing those those critical thinkers and collaborators, which I know, you know, and I, and I, I always try to say this in all of my podcasts because I have such a heart for teachers and, mm-hmm. you know, we hear, cause I, you know, as you know, once a teacher, always a teacher, I don't think it matters Absolutely. if you climb the ladder from teacher to administrator, to superintendent, to whatever you decide to do, you know, running an organization or moving on to, to doing something else. You're still always that teacher mm-hmm. on the inside. And your, your heart is always about making the most, um, for children, you know, to learn. And so, teachers are really in a, in a rough spot right now. And I hear a lot they of are. folks on podcasts and, and TV shows and, you know, in, you know, just in society talk about how, you know, education's a mess and education's this. And I just, I hate that that reflects poorly on the teachers because, you know, teachers work so hard and parents that are homeschooling are exhausted. They're doing the very best that they mm-hmm. can. No, I've never met anyone that went into teaching with a malicious intent to not help right. children, right? Now, I think right. that things along the way in the educational system have gotten a little, you know, screwy to say the least. Exactly. But I feel like teachers are still really, really trying with what they've been given, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do the best that they can by students and parents and community. And so, you know, we love our teachers and, you know, the, the point of these conversations and the point of what you're doing is just to give them more resources that make it easier for them easier to do yes. the most difficult job <laughs> absolutely and there I is. Them all the time. it's the joy bring back the joy to yourself yeah. as a teacher I yeah. couldn't wait for school to start mm-hmm. I but I could see over the years that my love my yeah. was, was my joy was was seeping out quickly <laughs> quickly it's like the whole so, is just pouring out <laughs> yeah it really was in the last several years and so it was being able to do this and work with teachers of um, this brings joy back. It, it makes teaching fun. You yeah. have this better rapport. You're not planning a huge lesson. You are, here's our idea. Here's our problem. Let's figure it out together. Mm-hmm. So the students are really enjoying it. You can sit back a little bit, right? And you can go, oh, this is so much fun. Yeah. I yeah. love teaching. Yeah. I yeah. love watching the kids grow. That's yeah. what it's all about, right? And same for the parents. We just got to, we got to be able to get that back. Yeah, for sure. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being with us. This has been a great conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I know we went a little long, but for those people that are listening, if there's, you know, I, I hope they're still listening. It was worth every minute of this conversation. Um, if you want to find Katie, uh, curiosity to create, and she will be able to, if you reach out to her, I know that she will reach right back out to you if you're needing specific Absolutely. resources or help or want to want to connect with her. So Katie, again, thank you so much for spending your time um, with us at the Classroom Matters podcast this morning. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And this is Christy Hull signing off for another episode of the Classroom Matters podcast. We will see you next time.